It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, June 5th, as the Cubs and Cardinals finished up on Sunday Night Baseball. It went to extra innings, and the Cubs lost. So a really nice cap on the weekend, Brendan. Uh, Five games. Uh, I had to watch two back-to-back national broadcasts, Corey. I I know. I couldn't uh, sync up Pat to the Saturday game. And then like this one, of course, just not possible without the MLB TV app. So I'm not doing well. Like, uh, it's it's late. I'm not in a good mood. It's Monday. But we're going to get through this. Still some positives, despite right now my initial mindset is pretty negative <laughs> the the national broadcasts are brutal but we we, we all know that um know. so thus finishes a nine game week with the uh leaders uh, you know of the nl central uh the cardinals yeah. and brewers the cubs split four with the brewers earlier in the week at wrigley and then the cardinals take three of five here on this weekend that, of course, uh, started on Thursday and featured the doubleheader on Saturday. But, Brendan, like, we've got a lot to talk about. We do. Um, you know, sort of per usual, right? Like, this yeah. season isn't going well. Uh, this series wasn't great. There was, you know, a lot to sort of be angry about. Uh, but that's where things are. So what we're going to be focusing on here is a lot of the individual player performances uh, because that's what matters as we go forward yeah. here. So this is going to be a pretty pitching-heavy episode just given what we saw this weekend, who we saw, and and given the, the various performances. Not to say that there wasn't interesting stuff on the offensive side, but a lot of it was stuff that I think you and I and Cody, Luke, and Ryan, and also Jared have kind of talked about a lot recently. I'm not sure if too much this weekend on the offensive side was a lot different, but there is some stuff to get into perhaps towards the end of this podcast. But I, I don't want to waste any time. We'll we'll touch on what happened in these in these five games just to briefly set the table, maybe in a second. Uh, but I'm going to skip ahead here, Brendan, because there, there's something too important to talk about uh, that we just can't waste any any further time. And that is that on Saturday evening. Uh, the Cubs bring up and start their number one pitching prospect. Yep. He came over in the trade for Chris Bryant last July, and that is Caleb Killian. Mm. Caleb Killian 
on the mound at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field on Saturday night, and I want to talk about it, Brendan. I think we all need to talk about it, Corey. That was the most anticipated pitching debut in like my modern Cubs fandom. Corey. Quite some time. Quite some time. I can't remember. Maybe like my brain needs to be jogged around a little bit, but I can't remember being so excited about a pitcher making his debut. Seriously. So that, that I mean, was from f- from their you know own system. Yeah, from their yeah. own system. I mean, of course, like John Lester and that uh, Wrigley opening night start in 2015. That was fun. Right. But like Rich Harden. Rich, I was at that game by the way. Mm. Marmel blowing that game from like a seven nothing lead was tremendous. Traumatic for me. Absolutely traumatic. Our innate ability to take (laughs) things to the darkest possible place. But anyway, um, yeah, this was was cool. Um, I'm glad I got to be there for this game. Um, You know, there's a lot to break down specifically, but I'm I'm glad that the Cubs did this. And and Caleb is optioned back to AAA on, on Sunday, which we all kind of expected. Um, but I think it was a good opportunity to bring him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you needed a pitcher and get that kind of debut, that adrenaline, those jitters, whatever it might have been, right? Just just get that over with. He can go back to Iowa and, and take a lot of what he learned and what we saw and continue to kind of polish into that final product before he's up for good, which I uh, hope, uh, you know, is, is some point at this season. But Um, Saturday night against the Cards, five innings, three hits, three earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Um, It was a really, really solid debut overall. And he the the command kind of escaped him in the fourth, uh, and the Cardinals got to him uh, for those three runs. I think it was Donovan with the big hit in in that one, a double— uh, but what stood out for me, Brendan, I think was the way that he started this game, uh, striking out the first two batters, getting Goldschmidt to break his bat, and his ability to come back out for that fifth inning after giving up the runs in the fourth and put up a scoreless fifth inning to finish off um, the evening. And yeah. he goes 83 pitches, but that's what really stood out for me. I... I, I, I I, I don't care about the three runs, right? Overall, like five innings, three runs, six strikeouts is generally a start that you would take uh, a lot of the time, even if you'd want more length there. But for a guy making his MLB de- debut, he had some really impressive uh, at-bats against some tough hitters in that Cardinals lineup, and I loved the ability to come back out in that fifth inning put up a zero after giving up the runs. Weren't really even sure if he was going to get back out there given the pitch count and and just, you know, the other factors. So that I was impressed with, and I'll turn it to you now to kind of talk us through the repertoire that we saw and, you know, maybe how that differs from what he had been doing in the minors. Sure. So he threw over 80 pitches, as you just said. That was impressive to me alone. I know he was going deeper into games recently, in the minors, but to do so against a pennant-chasing team in the Cardinals, especially after struggling there in the fourth inning, coming right back out there and showcasing some quality pitches, that that was impressive from a mentality perspective. Then you look at his actual pitch types. So what he did was throw four unique pitch types. He threw a sinker, threw a curveball, threw a cutter, threw a four-seamer. He does have a changeup, but it appears as if that changeup is not ready 
for comfort level yet. He did talk about using it uh, many months ago, and apparently from talking with some guys covering the AAA team and watching Start to Start by Caleb, he hasn't been throwing it that much recently. So maybe there's something going on with the changeup where he's just continuing to work on it. But still, regardless, four pitch types, awesome to see. He led with the sinker, in which he threw 43 of those. Uh, at 93 to 95 miles per hour. And the velocity was much higher in the first inning, Corey. I don't know, you were at the game. I don't know if you saw the the radar out there, but he was pumping up like 95, 96. We have yep. seen him in the past, especially in the AFL, like go 97, 98 with that pitch. So he can throw fast, and the adrenaline wore off a little bit, and the velocity decreased to around 92, 93 by the third and fourth innings. So after the sinker, he threw... 23 cutters and this cutter is unique Corey. it has 70 percent more horizontal movement than your average cutter and you saw it make yadi molina look like an absolute like 20 year old double a hitter out there the swings he was taking with that pitch i think that's being generous to yadi. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe it is being generous to yadi but you saw what that cutter looks like in the shape of that pitch and i think that is where you're going to get a lot of his success from and is reminiscent of what Keegan's done so well this year. The reason Keegan's been so good this year is because that cutter efficiency, that cutter command, the natural stuff on that pitch is elite. And it appears as if Caleb also has that same feature as Keegan. Now, after the cutter, he threw 10 four seams and he threw seven curveballs. The curveball is new. So going into this season, Caleb was talking about how he changed that pitch. And you saw some of those curveballs in the AFL. Apparently, he changed that pitch to more of a spike curveball. My question before this start was, why did he change his grip to a spike curveball? And we have our answer. The reason he did this, Corey, is because if you look at his four-seam fastball, it has natural carry on it. It has what's called a... 12.15 axis, that's like a clock, like 12.15 p.m. That's the orientation of his four-seam fastball. That's Rowan Wick's orientation as well. Rowan Wick has natural carry on that fastball, which is why Tommy Hadevi and Breslow and that infrastructure nudged him to incorporate that spike curveball grip. That's what they're doing with Caleb Killian, and that's the answer why they did that to him. Also, because he has that 12.15 axis, that's really encouraging to me. He has natural carry on that pitch. So he is that modern type pitcher who showcases elite velocity at times with carrying action. That means he can pitch on top of the zone with presumably high efficiency and then finish off with a curveball. Keegan Thompson does not have that natural carry on his four seam. Justin Steele definitely does not have that. Not many Cubs pitchers have that natural rising action. Caleb Killian has that. And so it is really encouraging. I think you saw his mentality, his persona. You saw four different pitch types. You see a cutter that rates above average from a moving perspective. His curveball, he didn't throw it that many times, as I said there, but just in this small sample size, it does have slightly above average vertical break, but I'm not comfortable making any like conclusions based on these pitches until we see him pitch more. And there was a tweet kind of making some headway by Eno Steris. And Eno Steris has worked with different statisticians to create, not to create himself, but to make public like pitch graders in what's called stuff 
plus. And there was a tweet suggesting that Caleb Killian was below league average. Take that with a grain of salt just for two reasons. One reason is those pitch graders, they use fastball like differentiation to grade individual pitches. So as a result, Killian, who only threw 10 four seams, the sample size is going to be extremely small. The error in predicting these pitches will be extremely large as a result. So don't take that uh, you know, to heart yet. I do know from talking with actual like, coaches in minor league baseball, his pitches rate above league average from a stuff plus perspective. So I assume once the data starts to normalize out, we get more uh, outings here, that's going to be the case for Caleb Killian as well. So that was a lot there to, to kind of just like spit out Corey. Um, but overall, my general takeaways are one, really impressed. Two, want to see more of them. And three, I now understand why they decided to change that grip on his curveball. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this, from a, a, a repertoire perspective, I mean, it was definitely noticeable in the ballpark, obviously, mm-hmm. that he was, you know, just pumping sinkers to start that game. Um, I think it was either the second or third batter, maybe, before he broke out. I think it was the second batter before he broke out that curveball. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that's that's one of those things where you're bringing a guy up, you want to control that kind of adrenaline and make sure he's throwing strikes. And that was one of the things that stood out to me um, firstly. Like, obviously, there was a pretty specific choice in the pitches that was going on, but also that he came in and, and was attacking, right? Like, that's, right that's one of those things that you look for when a guy makes their debut is, you know, are they... they letting the adrenaline kind of drive the the fastball velocity up and it's causing them to miss the zone a lot of walks things like that wasn't really happening for Killian he seemed in control and wanting to go after these Cardinals hitters you know not shying away from throwing strikes and getting ahead in the count which was really nice and yeah I I think this was a a very successful debut He, he still has to work on getting deeper into games, throwing more pitches, and of course, you know, how he attacks hitters as he faces them that third time or fourth time through, however deep in the game he's getting. So that's what he goes back to Iowa to work on. But like I said at the outset, like I think this was a really good opportunity to get him in there, get him in front of Wrigley Field, let him have that moment. I'm not sure who all in his family or friends were there, but there were definitely some folks in the family section at Wrigley Field kind of down below me in their 45 Caleb Killian jerseys. So, you know, you get to have him have that moment with his family, his friends, and just kind of get that out of the way, right? Like now you take what you've learned here. You can go look at him pitching to Paul Goldschmidt and getting a broken bat and dial into how to continue that success and what he needs to work on. And yeah, I, I I just thought this went really well. You would have liked for that fourth inning not to happen, but I think it almost might even be worth it that he was able to have that happen and come back out and get three more outs in that fifth inning. Yeah. Um, so that he can, I mean, that's, that's gotta be a pretty big confidence boost. Um, sure. and I, and, you know, I believe he ended the, the outing on a strikeout and you're like, okay, now we call it. You've got some some highs, one, you know, kind of low right in that fourth inning, but a lot to enjoy. And now you take and learn and finish off at AAA, and hopefully we see him back up here yeah. soon. So his mindset, his mentality, you, you want to picture his age with his stuff to be open-minded, receptive, 
especially with all the new technology that we have these days. And I, I think that is one aspect of his game that I do want to just emphasize because in the post game, when David Ross was looking and analyzing Killian and prior to sending him down the next day, we got words of what David Ross was kind of like saying to Killian. And apparently when the conversation was had where Killian was going to go back down, it was extremely positive. And apparently Hadavi was in the office, Jed was in the office, and there were some quotes by David Ross that um, our guys at CHGO got, or Ryan Herrera got in the pregame today. And David Ross said, quote, I think he understands he's going to be a major league pitcher for a really, really long time and help us win. We don't need a fifth starter because we have two off days coming up. So we're pretty much set up there. It's just about go down and continue to work on the things that you identified and that we saw. I think it's always about trying to get better. I think he wants to grow and he wants to be the best he possibly can. There was just a lot of back and forth on the feedback and the fact that he has such an awareness about where he wants to continue to grow and get better, end quote. So that, that. that you have to love that, Corey, right? That is exactly what you want to hear from a prospect. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Again, like I, it, it's, you know, in a debut like this, like it would be lovely if he went out and threw a complete game shutout with 12 strikeouts. <laughs> His next already crazy. can do that. <laughs> yeah, but like that's that's not the the only marker of success. Like I think you're looking at this, like did this go well and, and does it bode well for his future development and how everything is going here. And I think the answer was unequivocally yes. Like giving up three runs in the fourth inning doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. the, the outing as, as a whole uh, is what matters here. And I think you have to be very happy with what you saw. And yeah, you couple it with those quotes that like, yeah, he knows what he needs to do. They all kind of know where this needs to go and what those kind of last steps are before he comes up here. And, you know, the, the next time he comes up here, hopefully it's it's permanent and it's for a yeah. very long time. Uh, but this is going very well. So I, I was very happy. I was very happy to be there. Um, what was the and- vibe around the ballpark? Because you mentioned Rich Harden earlier, right? And I remember going to that game. I was so excited. And just pregame when you have Rich go out, you know, take his mm-hmm. outfield throws before his bullpen. There's such a tangible, noticeable difference in the atmosphere. You know, Rich Harden got his standing ovation. Not to say that Caleb's going to get that because he doesn't have that pedigree that Harden did when he was debuting. But in your perspective, was was there like a noticeable buzz, like when his name was called? Like, was there anything different with Caleb? Yeah, I mean, I think then a normal night, there was definitely a buzz. I mean, it's a little weird, right? Because as you guys can see on TV and probably hear, it's not really full every yeah. night uh, or particularly close to it. And with these series and the Brewers, there's a lot of other fans in the ballpark. <laughs> um, so it kind of throws things off a little bit. Um, but there was definitely an energy about Killian. Definitely, you could tell that the majority of the Cubs crowd that was there were interested in Killian, cheering loudly for him, like excited to watch him get out there and do his thing. I heard a number of people like walking in, talking about him, being excited for him. So there was definitely a buzz amongst the, you know, uh, somewhat depleted Wrigley crowd. But yes, it was definitely there. Okay. Good to see. So we have a lot more pitching to talk about, but I do want to stop here for a break. 
The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Remember that PointsBet is your home for live in-game same betting. They even have a new exclusive feature, live NBA same game parlay. For the first time ever, build the perfect live same game parlay only with points bet combine your favorite bets anytime during the game and you can even boost your live same game parlays and now online sign up is available in illinois you can actually download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish off from your phone signing up with the fastest sports book is now easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds use code chgo to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars so what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life with points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And our second sponsor here is new. They are called Owen, and I have to tell you about them, which stands for only what you need. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly, no gluten or dairy, and easily digestible. I got a chance to try these out. They taste really good. I like in the morning just kind of popping one of these after a workout, and the taste was really good. I can't wait to try more of these. And I first actually heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who actually follows a plant-based diet, and that kind of got my attention with, with this brand. So it's cool to see that Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can actually get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com and use code CHGO20. Join me and Bears quarterback Justin Fields and try Owen, only what you need. All right, Brendan, let's talk uh, about another, uh, you know, Cubs rookie here, uh, yeah. Matt Swarmer, who Ooh. I know you and our guy Ryan Herrera at CHGO Cubs teamed up for a really great article over at allchgo.com. Y'all should check it out if you have not. Uh, but Matt Swarmer picks up the W on Saturday, his first career win, and he is the first Cubs rookie to go six plus innings pitched with no more than one earned run allowed in each of his first two MLB games since 1939. That stat coming from Jordan Bastian, friend of the podcast, of course. Um, Yeah, Brendan, like this is another one. Like I I know that this year is horribly frustrating, right? (laughs) Brendan and I are recording this podcast mere moments after watching the Cubs lose to the Cardinals in extra innings on Sunday Night Baseball. I can assure you, right that the two of us are horrified <laughs> with <laughs> with the state of this season a lot of things right but as we've kind of said a lot it just isn't super productive to get on here uh especially with Brendan and I getting on here just twice a week to just complain about the state of the team or payroll or trades or anything like that right we've got to focus on stuff that may be impactful for the future and when you see the 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 pitching that the Cubs got on Saturday, right? They split that doubleheader, but you get six innings, two hits, one earn, two walks, five strikeouts from Swarmer. Then you see your number one pitching prospect 
have what I think we're all considering a very successful debut in the nightcap. As we always talk about, right, like not, and, and we'll talk about Steele, we'll talk about Keegan Thompson, like not everybody is going to play that top tier role, right? Not everybody we talk about is going to be a Cy Young candidate or an all-star or an MVP winner or anything like that, right? But you have to fill out every team, every good team has good supplementary pieces, right? Depth. And some of these guys are hopefully stars, but finding depth and supplementary pieces is always a good thing. And I'll defer to you. You you just wrote a whole article. You had Ryan Herrera talking to Matt Swarmer yeah. on your behalf. So, like, I'll turn it to you on, on what we're looking at here overall. But to see the Cubs bring up a couple guys and have a really strong day and night of starting pitching in that doubleheader is really encouraging. It is. I, I, I also want to add, before you start, like, it's it's very cool since we joined CHGO uh, and this is one of the things that we were very excited about, to be able to kind of have access to somebody that is a credentialed beat reporter, right? But Brendan, it, it is a little scary for me. <laughs> you are v- like a degree away from the actual players on this team. Yeah, um, it's not And that's healthy. a little, I, you know, I don't know how I feel. I don't know how anybody should feel about that. But it produced a very good article. I know. Um, so kudos to you and Ryan. But yeah, Thank you. Tell, tell us about Matt Swarmer, like what, what kind of future there might be there, or just like, you know, what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Herrera did such a good job getting close and talking. He's our guy for a reason. He's our guy, man. And I like it just before we get into it, too, like, I think Ryan's the youngest beats for the Cubs. And the fact that, you know, like the way baseball is going, you know, the data and stack has stuff is here to stay. So for Ryan to ask players very specific questions centered on this type of new data is awesome. So as a listener, as someone who's who's following the Cubs, like this is like Ryan's got to be your guy. So go ahead and give him a follow, um, you know, at Ryan underscore a underscore Herrera on Twitter. He does really good stuff. So this, this was a conversation Ryan and I had prompted by Ryan noticing that Swarmer's slider horizontal movement looked like weird in that it didn't appear to have that much horizontal movement and so he messaged me during the game and I'm, I'm at work trying not to get fired actually watching this game and I looked at the data I'm like oh that's interesting and he actually has average horizontal movement but like you Ryan I'm, I'm seeing this pitch that does not appear to be breaking horizontally at all so what's going on here so Ryan talked with Matt Swarmer before his next start which you just outlined there. It was another success. And so much good stuff there. I don't want to read everything here on air, but to paraphrase, there were several huge takeaways that represent the importance of this pitching infrastructure. And the first takeaway is that this slider is a new pitch. This slider was worked on with pitching coach Ron Vallone in AAA. And that's one of the reasons why Swarmer had an ERA almost too flat in AAA. The second takeaway is that the pitching infrastructure nudged Swarmer to lead with that pitch, which means throwing it more than any other pitch type at all. So he's been throwing sliders over 50% of the time. 
And the third takeaway is that Swarmer described this newish slider as not a slider, as actually more like a splitter, which was a really weird way to describe a breaking pitch, especially when you consider that one of the pitch designers on the staff has been working on sweeping breaking pitches. So this is like the complete opposite. So it's very surprising to hear Matt Swarmer talk about it like this. So then we looked at the data, and one thing jumped out right away, and that was his release point. His release point, Corey, is taller than basically everyone else in professional baseball. He has the tallest release point. He lets go of that pitch at six foot seven inches. That That is wild. So that pitch drops straight down. Then you look at the type of shape that pitch has. When you look at its spin axis, as well as its velocity, it has less horizontal movement than similar sliders thrown with those axes and that velocity. So compared to other pitchers, he has a linear shape. So when you combine those features with the fact that he, again, he has the most unorthodox, extreme vertical release point in the league, you get a pitch that batters don't see that often. And then, Corey, Swarmer is able to locate this pitch so well that within his first two starts, his command grade by like algorithms has graded it as a 65 on the 80 skill, way above league average. So if that continues, you don't really want to get your hopes up too much, especially with two pitch guys. But if that continues, there is a real possibility he's a valuable pitcher for this team. Now, is that in the role of a starting pitcher long term? That's to be determined. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Is that in a role as a multi-inning reliever? Yeah, that's also extremely valuable. We saw Keegan Thompson take that role and have success with it this year. But regardless, we're having this conversation about Matt Swarmer being a potential valuable piece for this team. That alone is impressive because on paper, his slider does not jump out, like at all. And then if you look at a slider from last season, Swarmer should not be in professional baseball based on those features. So the fact that pitching infrastructure and the coaching staff and Swarmer himself teamed up to make this unique pitch, to make the most out of his underlying talent is impressive. And that's the big takeaway here. And I'm excited to see how it turns out. Again, I don't know if it's going to be as a starting pitcher. I don't know if it's going to be as a multi-inning reliever. I have no idea. But again, we're talking about it. And that is really cool to see. Yeah, and I think it's it's been good to see a lot of the strides, you know, going on even at the minor league levels. I, I think the the pitching infrastructure has done a lot of good work. Got a lot of guys throwing hard, being graduated to different levels. Um, so, you know, perhaps it's not all happening at the speed we want it to, but it's it's happening. Good things are happening, and uh, hopefully that trend continues. So let's go to Sunday starter. I guess it's a lot of pitching. You're making me work. One. My God, man! I need yeah. some water over here. I, look, I, you, you got to doctor Jeez. it in pitching. <laughs> you know, it, you knew it wasn't going to be easy. Oh my God! I'm well, I mean, I you know, look, we can talk about Justin Steele's outing on Sunday, or we can talk about how bad Nick Madrigal looks. You, mm. you pick. You tell me. Okay, which is we'll, more do interesting. Justin Steele. we'll do Justin Steele. Or do we want to talk about the Cubs, you know, blowing no, that no, lead no, no, on no, Sunday no, night no, no. and then not being able to score no. in the 10th inning? You tell no. me what sounds more Okay, more I fun. get it. We'll talk about Steele. I okay. Get it. I get it. Uh, thanks. Uh, so Justin Steele on Sunday night, uh, this was the start that we had asked for from him, you know, a, a kind of bounce back here. Seven innings, seven hits, two uh, two runs, but only one of them earned. Three walks is a little high uh, and only one strikeout, but he got results. 94 pitches tonight, 
and uh, goes deep into this game. Um, I think one of the deepest outings of his career. So this was, I think, uh, definitely a step in the right direction for Steele, um, and and really good to see. And you know, you you combine that. I know we've talked with Keegan a lot. I don't know if you have anything to add uh, with what we saw from Keegan on Thursday. Keegan five and a third, five hits, three earned, three walks, and three strikeouts. His ERA now one point nine nine, and he's six and zero on yeah. the season. Uh, but you know, again, like all things considered, I'm, I'm, I'm lumping them in together because we've talked so much pitching and, and we can talk about the disaster of a start from Marcus Stroman, uh, <laughs> no, as we, well. We should. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Um, but like, I think the overall point, right, is that it was nice to have a, th- this weekend did not overall go well, right? Like you dropped the series to the Cardinals. It was horribly frustrating. We saw more, you know, outs on the bases. We saw more lack of clutch hitting. We had that bad start from Stroman. There was plenty of bad. There's plenty to just be very angry about, right? But one thing that I think is is the clear positive is that you you had a lot of young guys that came from your system who gave you a lot of quality innings on this particular weekend. And again, like nobody more than Brendan and I wants to be doing something other than finding silver linings, right? We want to be talking about a good baseball team. Uh, But this is where we are. So Brendan, I will (laughs) turn it to you. Uh, Keegan, Justin, really nice starts this weekend. Yeah, Keegan Thompson was more of a continuation of what we saw in his previous start in that he showcased a changeup and he showcased a sinker. Those two pitches combined to make up 20% of his repertoire against the Cardinals, his highest of the two pitches combined of his entire career. We talked about Keegan in that his cutter is above league average, that his command on that cutter has been exceptional. But the big problem and concern that at least I had was that he didn't have the other pitches to get through the order more than two times. And so the fact that he's showcasing now a sinker and a changeup is really encouraging because it signals that the possibility he can get through the order more than twice is now higher. And now he's throwing five pitch types, Corey. That is his starting pitching repertoire. So that was awesome to see. That's all I have on Keegan. Keep watching that. I'm excited to see his progress. Now on Justin Steele's end, it's almost like the anti-Keegan Thompson in that he actually stopped throwing his other pitch types. He threw, Corey, 67 four-seam fastballs in 94 pitches today. That made up 70% of his repertoire. And going into that seventh inning, he actually was throwing over 80% four-seams. He almost threw a four-seam every pitch for the first five innings, <laughs> okay? So that that was weird to see. Now, maybe not so much because he was commanding that pitch really well, perhaps the best command of his entire season with the four seam. If you look at his illustrator heat map, he was darting those pitches inside the right-handed batters on the black, both down and in and up and in. And David Ross said that his misses with the four seam fastball were better, if that makes sense. Better in that when he was missing, they were being missed down and in rather than leaking over the heart of the plate. That's why he was able to go deeper into games because he was just not giving up hard contact. Now, the downside to that, if you want to call it that, at least for me, because I want to see him showcase other pitches, he didn't throw anything else. He did start to throw more sliders there before he was taken out, but he didn't really use that pitch at all for the majority of the start. And then he didn't really throw any sinkers, curveballs, or changeups. Um, 
Whereas for a few starts there a couple weeks ago, he was throwing a sinker once every four pitches, and he was showing a changeup every now and then. And he has been throwing more curves throughout the season, and the fact that he didn't throw it today was a little odd. So it is encouraging to see him go deeper into games and to throw 94 pitches and have success, but I still would like to see him get more comfortable with those secondary pitches. And the fact that he leaned so heavily in the four seam, I understand why he did it, and that's great that he had the success, but that's not a sustainable approach, right? So the, the hope is that you can take this success against a really quality team and that four seam command, which was the best of his entire season, and then piggyback that off using other secondary pitches, which he also has done this season. So it was a step in the right direction for Steele in terms of just owning in on that fastball command. As the starts continue, I'm still looking at how often he uses a sinker. And at some point, maybe by like August or September, he will get more comfortable with using the changeup. Yeah, it, it was an interesting start. You know, you certainly look at, uh, obviously, couple more walks than he had strikeouts. You're going to want to see more whiffs, more strikeouts, especially mm-hmm. when you allow seven hits. Uh, but the results were fine. And I think, you know, again, they, they the Cubs are going to have the rest of this season to answer the questions that I think we all have, right? Which is what would these guys' role be on a good team, on a competitive team? And I don't think they know the answer to that for a lot of them right now. And they're going to use the rest of this time to figure that out. Uh, but what I do think is clear is that in some capacity, right, like they have a good group of people who, you know, are, are under team control, who will be here for a little while that can get outs, Brendan, yeah. right? Like how they decide to piece that together, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of factors with that. That might be who all is a, a free agent this off season, how much money they plan on spending, all that other stuff is going to answer a lot of those questions. But for the next few months, that's really what you're trying to figure out. But I think, you know, we're into June now, right? Like we've seen that these guys can go out and get outs. For most of them, the question is for how many innings at a time, right? And that's what we still have to figure out. And you really don't need that answer until you start building your roster for next year. So this was a really nice bounce back from Steele, um, you know, after after a bad start. And it just continues to be building blocks. And I think for Keegan on Thursday, like it's it's sort of the same thing. He threw 89 pitches over five and a third. So same as we keep saying for a lot of these guys, like just keep throwing more pitches, mm-hmm. get deeper in games, work through the lineup a few more times and see if all this stuff holds. And like you're talking about with Steele, right? Like figuring out, okay, as I get deeper into games, what does my repertoire look like? How do I attack hitters? Which pitches do I lean on? Uh, which pitches do I still have command and feel and able to attack with as the game goes on? And I kind of am seeing someone like Paul Goldschmidt for the third or fourth time, right? But that's, you've got plenty of time to figure that out and the stakes don't figure to be that high. So it's a good opportunity to do it. Um, but it's just, again, a nice weekend to see all these, you know, young names coming up from the system and doing a, a really nice job on the whole. Uh, but yeah. I do, yeah, let's talk about Marcus Stroman because sure. this was bad. Um, <laughs> Not good. Four innings, 10 hits, nine earned runs, uh, a walk and seven strikeouts. He allows three home runs on the day, falls to two and five. A 5.3 ERA for Marcus Stroman. And anytime he takes the hill and the day ends with Frank Schwindel pitching, probably not, 
a good sign, Brendan. Um, so I will turn this to you. Uh, what, what happened here? Because this was a total mess. Yeah, the preface here with Marcus is that still throwing five pitches, still inducing whiffs. That's what you want to see from any starting pitcher. So unfortunately, the command escaped him at times. And in his case, the Cardinals were not missing anything. So the overwhelming percentage of pitches that he did throw uh, were located well. It's just that the mistakes that he made were absolutely obliterated. And it's one of those starts that just, it happened. Like, that's the best way you can <laughs> describe the, the bad performance. It it unfortunately did not fall Marcus's way, and he got no help whatsoever when he made a mistake. Now, if you look at the strikeouts he did induce, actually pretty impressive. He made uh, Tommy Edmond strikeout. He made uh, Brendan Donovan strikeout, Nolan Gorman, Corey Dickerson. Who, uh, who are these people that you're I, listing I, off, I, Can you believe this? They keep doing this every freaking <laughs> year, Corey. Completely made up. I know, I know. One guy we do know is Nolan Arenado. He made him strike out. Um, so he did that on beautifully located uh, breaking pitches and off-speed pitches down in the way to right-handers and down and into to lefties. So that was located well. That was awesome to see by Marcus. It's just that the pitches, again, over the middle of the plate, you know, got hit hard. Singles by Bader, um, you know, doubles to, to Newtbar. What a terrible name that is, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, and then, of course, the 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 home run to, to Gorman there. So I'm not really concerned about Marcus. He did have a phenomenal May that yeah. w- was quiet because in that month he did get injured. Well, not injured. He had COVID. Uh, so I understand it. It's been a weird year for Marcus. And you want to see that ERA be close to three, which it has been recently but i'm i'm not concerned everything looks to be in line the velocity the whiffs the quality starts uh, in the month of may i think it's just a matter of time Corey. yeah he had a a, i think about a five stretch run that uh five start run that had a 1.80 era so he was you know really in the zone for that bit um you know i think again like this comes down to a lot of what you and i have talked with kyle hendricks right um, it did remind point, me of them, yeah. <laughs> well, it, 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 at this point, right, like this does not appear to be a playoff team. Uh, I think we can say with some level of confidence, uh, you know, barring something insane, uh, that, you know, Jed is licking his chops to make some more trades as we get to the deadline. And that's just, you know, kind of where this is headed. Maybe it's where it always was headed, right? Uh, but what is, you know, particularly frustrating is is kind of what we talked about as we headed into this series and uh, this season and as the season began, like these two were supposed to be the anchor of this rotation. And when you and I come on here, or Cody, Ryan, and Luke come on during the week, we have spent more time talking about these guys struggling and younger guys doing well, which is, you know, sort of uh, a silver lining, I suppose, right? It maybe bodes well better for the longer term. But when you have Hendricks has a 5.2 ERA and a 5.45 FIP, Stroman has a 5.3 ERA and a 4.2 FIP. So perhaps the expected metrics kind of favoring Marcus a little bit, perhaps he deserves a little better of an ERA. But either way, like these two were supposed to anchor your rotation, a 5.2 ERA and a 5.3 ERA. I mean, yikes, man. Yeah. Right? Like I know, like I'm, I'm with you, right? Like 
I, I Marcus Stroman has too long of a, a sample. So does Kyle Hendricks. Like they're they're good pitchers. Uh, I'm not like d- debating that, but it is disappointing. Like not that it's it's necessarily the difference between where the Cubs are and them being competitive in a playoff race. I don't think it's 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 that big of a difference, but this team was obviously built. They needed these guys to step up. Wade Miley dealing with, you know, multiple injuries throughout the years. So that's been a bummer. And these two have just not it's performed the way that you would need them to. I mean, it, it, it does feel a little surreal in a way, Brendan, that we're sitting here in June and both of them have an ERA over five. It just, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have predicted it. And I know they're both better than it, but the results that, you know, we've seen so far are the results we've seen so far. I understand it. I understand even, like, it's funny that you mentioned Hendricks there in that context. As I'm talking about Marcus, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this sounds familiar. I, yeah. I've been saying this about Kyle. Um, and it's hard when you try to project the future to ignore such a large sample size of success, right? And that's, like, there is always a possibility that they end up not being good. That's always a legitimate possibility. It's just not probable, I think, because of that previous recent success. And it's I don't think it's as probable for Marcus compared to Kyle because last season he was really good. Yeah. And unlike Kyle, where some coaches think he needs a breaking pitch, like a hard breaking pitch, Stroman throws every pitch in the playbook. So for me, I like that because it in my mind signals if one pitch is not like there one day then you can rely on a different pitch type but the cutter's not there okay well i'm gonna throw the splitter more often if the slider's not there okay i'm gonna throw more sinkers uh, up and in right so i i like that with marcus but also unlike kyle marcus has such a weird ramp up period you had a, a short in spring training you had covid happen you he started the year with extreme weather he you know, it, he had that one bad outing in Colorado. It's It's been weird for him. And I think you have to do consider all these factors when when thinking of the probability he's going to be good. And I, I, I don't think those factors take away from the overwhelming majority of his successes and his pitch types and the whiffs he's getting and the types of swings he's inducing. And my comfort level, since we're talking about Kyle and Marcus between those two pitches, is extraordinarily higher for Marcus. Um, yeah, Kyle does have to work on some stuff, and it has been yeah. a very peculiar situation for him. Okay, another break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book that is easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so let's shift a little bit to the offense here, Brendan, before we get to the series preview. The Cubs are off on Monday. Uh, I believe Luke, Cody, and Ryan will have your off-day show for you on Monday afternoon. But uh, let's talk about some of the offense first. So just want to start with our daily kind of Christopher Morell update. Uh, He did get on base on Sunday, so that is 20 straight games to start his career getting on base, extending that Cubs 
franchise record to begin his career. So that's cool, Brendan. He continues oh, to yeah. just be uh, electric, basically. So fun. Um, so fun. And, you know, again, one of those guys where it, 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 it still fits into that kind of same logic where it's like, is this guy a, a future star? Uh, a supplementary player, like whatever. But the thing that really stands out with Morel, as we've continued to talk about, is his plate discipline improvements from where he was when he began his career. Truly incredible. And you yeah. continue to see that he's obviously shown the ability to make adjustments at the plate, Brendan, but he's just, he has such a high floor as we go forward here and ask ourselves those questions about where does this guy fit in? What's the the future career, right? Like, because he plays multiple positions, he's really fast, he's really good on defense, he has great instincts, and so the floor is just so much higher, yeah. right? Because even if a guy like that can't hit, he's still valuable and everything we've seen from Morel as he's moved through these levels is that he makes adjustments and boy can he hit it's the same conversation we're having every episode which I love having is he does everything well every single thing he does well does he swing at bad pitches no he swings at fewer pitches outside the zone than 85% of the league does he make contact yes could he make more contact? Maybe, but he makes contact within the uh, second quartile of the league. Uh, does he run fast? He runs faster than 90% of baseball. Does he play multiple positions? Yeah. He, in fact, he plays second base, third base, shortstop, center field, plays every position up the middle with effectiveness. Is he fun? Is he a good teammate? Yes. How old is he? He's 22 years old. Has he made adjustments already? Yes. So what? Like, there is no room for criticism in his game at this point maybe you want as i said him to make more contact but he also has exceptional bat speed and exceptional exit velocity that suggests that contact rate will be absolutely fine if he hits for that power and that exit velo does translate to that so it's fun he had several clutch hits once again Corey, and you're seeing uh that personality on display on a nightly basis it's it's been surprising. It's been way beyond my expectations, and I'm loving seeing it. I'm loving seeing yeah. him watch. Uh, I'm, I'm love seeing him in the leadoff spot too, Corey. It's just been it's exceptional. Yeah. So on Saturday alone, he had five hits and a walk. He five played hits. center field, <laughs> second base, and shortstop. I love that so much, so, Corey. <laughs> Uh, there was a stat from Stats by Stat that he joins Chris Bryant, who did it in 2015, as the only Cubs rookies in the last 40 seasons mm. to have at least five hits in a doubleheader. There you go. So ride the wave, Good company. folks. You know, let so, the morel flow through you. Um, <laughs> some interesting notes on offense. Rafael Ortega has quietly worked his way up to being yeah, uh, 13% better. It's 13% better than the average hitter based on WRC plus 113 WRC plus now 269 366 377 slash line on the season and it's you know he might be an interesting piece at the deadline I suppose uh teams looking for outfield depth he's certainly shown that he can put together uh you know a nice season at the plate especially hitting against right-handed pitching uh did that with success last year doing it again this year so uh credit to him you know he had a rough start to the season but he's played himself into you know potentially some value here yeah and I almost feel bad um that 
I wasn't talking about Ortega. His success has completely escaped me. In his last 100 plate appearances, he has a weighted on base average of 372, a WRC plus of 138. He's been batting 308 with four doubles, two home runs, and he's walking at a 15% clip. Like, shame on me for not realizing this, honestly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he has played his way back in the conversation about potential valuable outfielders for next season. Of course, you always want to consider his possibility as a trade chip this mm-hmm. deadline, but uh, the fact that he's not a free agent until 2027, and I know, right. he's, only, he's, I know he's 31 years old, but uh, exciting to see, Corey. Yeah, I mean, he's not even ARB eligible until 2024. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking, you know, if you're the Cubs front office and you're still interested in pinching pennies, which this offseason they better not be, um, he's right there for you. Uh, 31, so that's really where it kind of comes into question. Like, he's obviously proven as as a depth outfielder and someone to platoon with a right-handed hitter. Clearly, he can provide value there at the plate. Um, but you know, are you, where are you going to factor in a guy that, uh, you know, will be 32 next season? That's probably the bigger question. And, you know, maybe he's a good tack on to a trade here at the deadline, maybe with a pitcher or something like that. And you can get something, uh, younger out of it, but I, you know, look, either way, kudos to him for, uh, you know, again, once again, just providing exactly that role, a really quality depth piece, um, who would, you know, again, it would be nice, uh, on a, competitive team to, to have him as uh, one of those complimentary pieces. Um, lastly, on offense, sure. uh, Brendan, what do they do with Nick Madrigal here? Um, this is frustrating because yeah. I, I, I don't think that I, I wouldn't call myself a Nick Madrigal defender. I just wanted people to give it a chance. There, there was just a lot of hatred and vitriol uh, before the season even started for a guy who had never played as a Cub. So I, I, I'm not like the biggest believer in him. I I didn't really have a strong opinion one way or another. Uh, but so far in 101 plate appearances and uh, 28 games, excuse me, 106 plate appearances, 29 games, uh, the haters proving right, Brendan, because this is, this is brutal. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, he's got a 48 WRC plus, which is just awful. Uh, and what we see on a pretty nightly basis, Brendan is like, yeah, he's got a really strong ability to make contact. That contact is often really bad, uh, at least that we've seen so far this year. Now, the, the flip side of that, right, is that he's 25 years old. He does not have a ton of major league experience as we knew when he came over from the White Sox. So you, you know, of course you want to give him some runway and a guy that can make that much contact, you want to see what's there. Uh, but this is, you know, it, it, it's tough right now. It's, it's really tough. It's tough. It's been a hundred plate appearances. It's not a small sample. He did recently come back from a significant injury and he got another injury recently where he just got off the IL. So all these factors combined, it's it's hard to interpret whether this is going to continue or whether he just needs more time. And I even hate saying those words as I'm talking about it right now. But it is disappointing. I don't really know the solution to this because David Bodie is coming back this week. Corey, David Bodie his primary position is second base. David Bodie is under team control for several more years. What does that mean for Nick Magical's playing time? Um, 
I don't know if he's going to be sent down necessarily, but I don't think it's a 0% chance. I think there might be discussions because of Morel, what they do with Magical. And if they want to give Bodie a chance here because of that potential value long-term, we might see Nick Magical get sent down. And in doing so, he'll get daily at-bats in Iowa. Maybe you can work on some things without the pressure of trying to succeed in a new team for the first time in your entire career at the big league level. I don't know. Maybe something happens to his brain like that happened to Frank Schwindel where he gets sent down and it triggers something and off you go, right? But it has been disappointing. Uh, There's no other way to talk about it. The expected numbers are also bad. The contact at least is very good. It's eighth best in professional baseball. But as you said, it's mostly weak contact. So at this point, it is a very difficult decision for this front office and for David Ross to make. Uh, I need. I, I would love to see him succeed, though. You have those six years of team control, and he gave the correct gamble for him. Uh, and that contact profile does appear attractive if that contact is good. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I also wouldn't mind uh, being done with the whole Andrelton Simmons thing. Um, I think he's going to stay though, because that the defense has been good this year. I right? suppose, but yeah. you could just you could let Morell do that if if Nico's Listen, not playing. Listen, you're day. preaching to the choir, right? No, I, I I'm not. I, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, yeah. but it it just I I don't, I don't know, man. Like Madrigal, Bodie. Simmons, it's just a lot of like, okay, sure. Uh, I, mean, I, whenever, I mean, whenever Simmons comes up to bat, like I'm dying over there. So I get I, it. I tweeted this yesterday, and I genuinely believe this to be true. You could not convince me that John Lester <laughs> is not a better hitter than Anderton Simmons. Should we call John Lester up and see John if he wants a position? Power. I, well, I know I he do does. I believe that Anderton Simmons could hit an opposite field home run, if you know, I'm being it's, honest. It's a you. shame he never had that two homer season and you had to get that tattoo of him bunting. Yeah, Absolute I'd shame. Be a different man i, I know i know I we all would be better for a different person yeah. um yeah so the, the cubs have some decisions to make i i think you know again like you you have the benefit with madrigal being young uh and you, you can kind of be a little more flexible there but yeah uh yeah soft grounders it's not is, fun it's is not gonna do it yeah so the, you've got to figure out uh the best way to try to get him going wherever that is, however that is, uh, they're going to have to figure out. Uh, and so one last thing before you preview this upcoming series, uh, just because we have not been on since it happened, uh, you know, for Brendan and I, just want to uh, send our our best wishes out into the universe. Brendan Davis has been on a podcast with us before, but I'm sure yeah. he has better things to do than listen to you and I, Brendan. Uh, but just want to wish him well. He had back surgery, obviously not sure the timetable there. Um, hopefully not as significant as it, as it may sound, but you know, back surgery is tough and it certainly derails where he was. It, it obviously explains, you know, why he was struggling. And I, I can't imagine the pain that he was in, uh, when you read about exactly what was going on and the stuff that they went in there to clean up. Uh, but he's, you know, not only such a, a huge piece to this Cubs future and important in that regard, uh, but, you know, he's a human being and a, and a wonderful one at that. So, uh, wishing him the best, a speedy recovery, and just hope he's able to, uh, feel better and, and get back to doing what he loves. So all the best to Brennan. Yeah, that's disappointing. Uh, he's such a you know quality person, as you said. Um, you know, hopefully the the doctors cleaned it up and he's back there playing a significant role in 2023 for a competitive Cubs team. Okay, so let's preview this upcoming two game set in Baltimore, Corey. I don't think we've ever 
talked about. No, we have. No, nope, have talked about Baltimore. Yeah, uh, Jose Quintana, right? 2017. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder you forgot. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. So uh, two games set in Baltimore. Off day Monday, which is awesome. This team needs some some rest. And then on Tuesday, they go back out there at 6.05 p.m. Central. Keegan Thompson will take the ball for David Ross. Keegan, this season is 6-0, a stellar 1.99 ERA. He'll be facing Baltimore's Kyle Bradish, who is 1-3 with a 6.82 ERA. Not good. And then on Wednesday, another start time, 6.05 p.m. Central. Marcus Stroman pitching for the Cubs, hoping to rebound off that bad start against St. Louis. Marcus this season, we just talked about it. I have to read it. 5.32 year rate with a 2-5 and five record. Jordan Lyles pitching for Baltimore, 3-4, a 4.5 ERA. Just looking ahead here, they have another off day on Thursday, so much-needed rest for this bullpen, for this pitching staff, for this entire roster after those multiple extra-inning frustrating games that they lost. So good to see uh, some rest here. What I'm looking for is obvious. Keegan, continue to do well. Look for that change-up. Look for that sinker. Marcus, rebound. Uh that's it, really. And then we'll hear about David Bodie in the next few days here, I imagine. What does that mean for Nick Madrigal? What does that mean for playing time at second base if Madrigal does stay? Does it have consequences for Christopher Morell's playing time? I don't think it will, based it on what we've seen. It better not. If it does, I may pass out, so it better not happen. And that's what I have, Corey. A lot will happen this week. There's going to be a lot of discussion about the roster, I imagine, in the next few days. Yeah, I mean, pretty simple. Keep watching Keegan do his thing. Uh, hope, you know, to see him continue going deeper into games and uh, watch for Marcus Stroman to have a bounce back start. And yeah, a lot of the stuff on the positional level. Uh, I know at one point over the weekend, Frank Schwindel had gotten himself back up to a 100 WRC plus. So he had gotten back to league average, which is, you know, not necessarily uh worth celebrating in a vacuum but given the way that he started and where he was when he was sent down for 24 hours an incredible accomplishment he's been on fire just ripping the ball uh since he came back up I know Cody tweeted I think yesterday that all he needed was a middle seat on a on a flight to uh completely turn things around uh so he's been red hot that's been good to see and yeah brendan i'm i'm looking forward to uh two off days this week uh because you didn't touch on it and we don't have to but we next weekend's going to be a mess so uh, why did you bring yeah. that up Corey? Like, i'm not you know you can you can look up why we don't have to talk about it but uh you know we could use the extra day off because the cubs play the yankees next weekend you can figure out why next weekend is going to be an yeah, emotional I'm mess from there so I think that's what we have for you. Uh, As always, uh, we appreciate your support of CHGO, everything going on there, the live shows, pre-games, post-games, and of course, we invite you to become a member at allchgo.com and check out especially uh, Brendan's piece on Matt Swarmer that was, of course, uh, helped with the tremendous work of our guy Ryan Herrera on the beat. So you get a free shirt and access to the members-only Discord when you sign up at allchgo.com to become a member. Uh, We appreciate your support of the CHGO Cubs podcast. Luke, Cody, and Ryan will have your off-day listening needs later on Monday afternoon. We appreciate you tuning in to Brendan and I twice a week for our series recaps. And other than that, I think that's all we have for you. So as always, go Cubs.